Welcome to the Growth Hacking Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Palomino. This podcast is about thought-provoking ideas to scale up and growth hack performing and human-centric work cultures. My guests are experts on mindsets, skills, and science behind work cultures. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Hacking Culture Podcast. Today, I want to talk about what is waiting for us in terms of the trends on people analytics for 2024 and maybe beyond. Um, let me tell you something. So I was I was looking at one of the Gartner's uh, insights or reports that they do every year. And as usual, so we have top priorities for HR leaders in 2024. So we know already that leader and management development is one of the key um, priorities for HR, organizational culture, because we haven't been able to solve everything that we discovered during COVID. But the third priority, it is something that has been stagnating for many years, which is HR technology. Now, we know that in recent years, people analytics has improved, but it seems like in 2024, there is still some work to be done by human resources in order to leverage on tools that will help them into recruitment, hiring, retention, motivation, and development. And for that, you need data. And for in order to use good data, you need a little bit more of knowledge and framework to understand this wealth of uh, information. Now, the journey is not easy, but I have found the right person, in fact, to explain to us how it could be the ideal journey to onboard ourselves with all these crazy HR uh, trends. So today I have as a guest, Keith Good. And let me tell you a little bit more about Keith. Keith, is the vice president of client services for Zeroid in technologies. It's kind of a platform used to transform human resources, help on talent and business data, and transform this data into actionable intelligence. So it's not just a collection of data in an Excel file. It is insights that is generated. Kit has been implementing and supporting human capital management and business intelligence solutions for over 20 years. I was looking at his LinkedIn profile and I saw so many good, interesting names where I guess that's why people call him the, the wizard of HR technology. Keith, I'm so happy to have you with me uh, today. And I want to shoot with a, a, a really interesting question that has been a little bit burning my my brain these last days. So in 2024, what is the type of information that companies really must have about people to have successful businesses? Ivan, thank you so much for, for having me here. It's, it's I really appreciate it. And that's a, a great question. And before I dive right into that, let me just give a little bit more background because I've got over 20 years of analytics and reporting, you know, kind of specializing in the HR space. And, and I want to reiterate what you mentioned about the current state of analytics. I'd like to think it kind of reminds me of the old high school sex. Everyone talks about it. No one really knows how to do it. Everyone else thinks everyone else is doing it. So they claim to be doing it as well. So that's kind of where we are with, with things. And um, nevertheless, I want to jump right in and, and answer your question. 
Uh, and I, I think the, to answer that, I think it, it's based off the core basic uh, measurements that that companies have to to focus on. Uh, things like headcount, things like turnover, you know, those are still highly important. But I think what we need to focus on is consistency. Each report can't calculate that differently. You can't calculate that different for one business unit or the next business unit. It has to be consistent. Um, so I, I would start with that. Um, second is I think we need to look at aggregation, data across his, history. So uh, HR is really known for, for, you know, Let's get a new HRI system. Let's get a new learning system. Let's get a new skill system. Let's get a new payroll system. And over the years, you get this fragmentation of data. So there's tons of value in that historical data. It's about aggregating that up and presenting that as, as part of the, the overall solution. Next, I think it's about a blended approach. So it's not just HR data, but it's being able to bring in multiple different systems, business systems, and correlate that data to, together. Um, we've worked with companies where we've also brought external data. They, they have a lot of employees that work outside, and we've been able to bring in historical weather data to see how that impacted the jobs and correlated to job performance over time. So, you know, it's about being creative and, and looking at those different data sets as well. Uh, Keith, now, is it really the problem that the, the technology as such, or is it that our friends in HR, they have been a little bit too traditional in terms of acquiring new knowledge? And that despite that there is software that can answer, uh, systems that can answer critical questions that we need today in our business, but they haven't been able to catch up with what is going on. This technology literacy has been a little bit conservative in the, in the HR side. Let's be open. Let's, we, there, there has been many critical points about human resources being kind of traditional. How, how do you feel these people, people in HR can improve their literacy towards technology? Well, that's a great question. And I wish I could say there's a magic bullet to say, yep, just do this and you know, you're up to speed on everything. Um, but unfortunately that doesn't exist. Uh, to do it right, you must start with the basics. So first peel back that data onion, understand the data that you have, where it is, um, both current and historically, um, how it relates internally and with other systems, who owns it, how can it be accessed, and how often does it change? Um, remember that those that uh, can access the data, they hold the keys. They hold the keys to, to information that can be used. So that's really important. Second, technology without a purpose or a solution is just tech. So find the business problems that, that new technology will help support. <clears throat> if it doesn't work, uh, kill it, move on, go to the, the next project. Because again, it's you're not just buying technology. It has to solve a business problem. And, and third, you know, people. Get the people who can help that have some experience um, in dealing with data and dealing with uh, statistical analysis. That can help. Um, and of course, learn new skills. From an HR perspective, you know, HR can, can take that initiative to learn the skills themselves. Um, that way they can speak more intelligently to the people that come in. And after all, you know, analytics may seem like rocket science, 
but it's really not. If a guy like me can, can understand it, anyone <laughs> can understand it. Um, and most importantly, you know, build on a foundation that can support updates, configuration, and changes and, and growth. Because again, you don't want to have to switch out one system and bring on another system. HR, we've been doing that for a long time. It's about getting a, a system, uh, a platform, if you will, that's going to be able to grow with dynamically changes of just not just the data, but metrics and configuration. Mm. I fully understand uh, understand you, uh, but I want to dwell in, in in this little point. Like, if you don't have enough literacy about technology or what is possible to be achieved through technology, then you end up like hiring our best friends from uh, SAP in Germany who are very expensive and uh, spending millions for a system that nobody's going to use because at the end we didn't know what exactly we wanted to get out of of the uh, uh, out of this information um what would be like if you had like people from HR in front of you how would you what would be your best tip to say hey you want to learn a little bit about tech HR tech read that or or have a look at that how can you help them acquire this knowledge so that they don't end up buying the million dollar system uh, from our German friends and um, not using it. <laughs> well, you know, I think also, I, you know, it's a good point because the consultancy game is a high price game. And, you know, it's one that, that consistently, you know, you, you can contract out to, to get a statistical report on a prediction Um, and that's great for the next year, but you have to pay that again for the next year after that. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, with analytics, you're, you're building in, and with AI, you know, you're building a model. And if you can build that model um, and retrain that model over time, when you get new data, the predictions are, are updated all the time. So I would say instead of working on a single one-time prediction, Work on that, that model, generate that model from your historical data, <clears throat> validate it, and then use that, not just today, but it will also be used tomorrow and will just take some, some retraining to, to do so. So that, that would be where, where I would suggest. And again, it's, it's not rocket science. I think um, start with a business problem. Um, start with, my first one was flight risk uh, prediction, which is fairly common. Um, so understanding from an HR perspective, what are the features, what are the factors that might in, influence uh, a person's decision to leave? And it's defining those, those factors and then running it through an AI model. And believe it or not, the AI models are a lot easier to, to work with. Um, once you run through the model, you can run that data again to see what it predicted versus what actually happened. And that helps you identify you know, was, is the model effective? If the range of, of, of variance is, say, greater than 95% or less than 95%, then you, you don't want to use that model. You want to retrain it on some other features. So again, it's, it's not that difficult, but use a business problem that you understand, um, find the factors that are going to, to work in that model, validate it, and then you don't have to reinvent the wheel every year. Mm. I love what you say because from one side they use uh, the this growth uh, and the fact that 
artificial intelligence and even neurolinguistic programming uh, models have have got into huge evolution in the in the last years, which it which helps you to treat and understand things that you don't have to understand how it happens. is is going to be the model who will tell you insights because it's difficult for us to cross link data that we unless we are playing around like pivoting like pivot tables like back in the days where I was doing as a number cruncher. Uh, playing around instead of that you will have the trends the patterns coming to you and 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 that is that is quite amazing but you also highlighted another an, another good point which is that it doesn't have to be like you come up if you focus just in one single business prom, problem you can you don't have to implement a big ass solution you can start with a kind of a minimum viable product that a prototype that is minimalistic where it doesn't have to cost you an arm and leg and uh, and your job by the way so it, absolutely it is possible yeah, and you learn from that you know if you're talking about <clears throat> predictions you've learned you know, you've taken one business idea you've solved it through a model business model that predicts an outcome well you can take that to solve another business problem you're just changing the data elements that go into it but you're using the same modeling technology um and now you can repeat that anytime you want to get a prediction, you can repeat the process just using different data. Uh, do you do you have the impression like if we compare like one year, one year and a, and a half ago uh, in terms of what was possible to be done through uh, good use of AI NLP models, uh, do you think that there has been a drastic change within the last one year, one year and a half? Um, Honestly, I, I don't. Um, I think that um, organizations are are still focused, HR organizations are still focused on the manual transaction. Um, I still think that there is a lot of effort uh, around, you know, maybe doing the quick fix or the quick thing, but not fully understanding it. Um, so I would like to see AI be used to help organizations get rid of some of that manual effort, to, to help organizations, you know, AI could be used in a lot of different ways. It could be used to kind of peek around that corner and, and not and fix some of those, you know, one ifs that that those one-off tasks that HR constantly is doing um, by being able to predict where there might be problems in, in the future. So that's where I'd like to see it move to. I think there's a lot of hype. Um, in AI and, and HR um, and a lot of glitzy types of solutions, but I'm not seeing them really impact the business. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. And you have put the finger right there where it really hurts. These guys of HR in the last three years, that you, the business has been throwing to them, Ale, take care of uh, a little bit of the people culture, take care of the well-being of, of people. So there is much more things that being thrown to them without getting rid of this manual administrative job. And maybe one of the reasons why most of employees do not perceive positively human resources is because if they are spending time making turn the, 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 making turn the wheel uh, of administration with 10 million excels that they're filling up and, <clears throat> and doing administrative tasks instead of having a strategic role on the change in, in organizations, <clears throat> So first, as you said, 
it is important for HR to remove this administrative task and, and automate them. And this is one of the contributions, the, one of the biggest contributions that AI can have for businesses so that they have the time to take care of the human behind the numbers, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, when you, when you talk about some of those hurdles that organizations are, are facing uh, around people analytics, um, you know, whether it's resources, knowledge, or, or money, I would say, yes, yes, yes. It's all those things, but really it boils down to a foundation. It's a foundation that, that an organization can start with that either pick or build a platform that can blend data from multiple sources, including non-people data, um, that must be able to uh, build and create measurements that are configurable to the organization's own requirement because not every organization is, is the same. Um, and then must be able to constantly deliver the metrics the same, whether it's for one business unit versus another, whether it's on one report or other on a dashboard, or even through what we call APIs, application interfaces. We're seeing that a lot as well as that, you know, an analytics solution, yes, it could drive a report, it could drive a dashboard, but think about it also driving other systems through a use of an API. So uh, it could be called, hey, you know, send me the, the predictions uh, for headcount over the next months to the eight, to the finance system or to the budgeting system. So, um, you know, it's also being able to deliver analytics through API mechanisms. And these integrations, I remember back in the days, integrations were expensive. Like you had to pay a half an hour to, uh, to connect one system to the other. Today, is it something that is easy to be done? You know, that's a great question, and, and it is becoming a lot easier. There, there's uh, a lot of um, methods for application interfaces. Um, they call them uh, web services. Uh, they're, they're methods that are documented to be able to request data or request actions um, through a, a common protocol, often using the same um, data lines that a web application uses that we see online, it's just happening without someone having to click a link. That's quite quite impressive. Um, now, there, there, there is, I mean, and, and I know a little bit because I'm into this area of, of understanding work culture and how you can impact positively the life and uh, of employees. What are the trends that you have currently in terms of assessing work culture and are we very close to have this live streams data of having like the same that you see in the stock exchange this is what is happening with a, a stock uh with a share can, can can we live stream information about how is the organization feeling doing and and, and thinking yeah i th i think we're getting a lot closer to that but when it comes to assessing people, I think there are some some new trends out there. Um, you know, as you know, there's tons of of money being spent on leadership um, assessments. You know, the 360 evaluations. Uh, we work with a lot of um, public uh, municipalities and federal governments um, that spend a lot of money on on uh, evaluating leadership skills uh, and 
we're seeing that as a, as a trend, but it, the, the, the trend that I'm seeing is it going to accountability. So not just assessing people, but it's also looking at after you assess one, someone, um, are they living up to the accountability of what they're, they need to work on? Um, a lot of times the money's just spent on the assessment itself um, and evaluating where a leader is, but not so much on the, the year, two, three years follow-up on continually assessing their, their leadership ability. The next is with engagement. And yeah, so everybody's you know engaging. We'd like to see more pulse surveys as opposed to those large engagement surveys. So more, more um, but smaller uh, time bits of, of uh, assessments. And of course, taking the results and correlating them back to business outcomes. So is engagement really driving productivity? Is engagement driving lower costs? Is engagement you know, impacting a particular business unit a certain way? Um, and I think some organizations might be, you know, might be uh, wondering why things are correlating the way they are, but it, you know, it's important to get down there. The next trend that, that I see, uh, I wouldn't say I see, but it's something that I'm kind of passionate about. It's called a co cosmopolitan. And cosmopolitan, it's not the drink. It's <laughs> Exactly, it's I was thinking about yeah, it there. I know. I know, it's the people in your organization that everyone goes to to get answers, but maybe they're not on, they're not a, a manager, they're not a supervisor. Um, there are often people that, you know, are, are an individual contributor. Um, they may not be on a promotional path, but people go to them all the time to get answers. And you want to know who your cosmopolitans are because you don't want to get rid of them. So I see assessments on, on trying to look for, you know, you, you can assess, a, uh, send out assessments to people asking them questions and, and showing list of other employees that they can pick to answer, who do they go to for technology questions? Who do they go to for uh, questions relating to the industry? Um, and then collect that information and find out where your cosmopolitans are in your organization. So, so those are some unique uh, things that I don't think you hear uh, very often that are, I, I think could, could come in the future. Oh, so, for instance, in in the I find it quite interesting the the the, the Cosmo um, example. So does it mean that today, for instance, you can easily find or use your platform to, let's say, connect with Teams, read what people are asking in Teams, the Microsoft Teams, uh, yeah. and say, oh, Ivan is always answering questions about, I don't know, leadership development or about. Uh, jokes or whatever. Uh, is it possible to, to, to do that? Yes. Yes, it is. And there are neuro networks that can evaluate that data. Um, there are uh, graphical representations of your, your people and who's connected to whom over what subjects. It's, it's a very interesting topic, and I think we're going to see more of it. Uh-huh. That's, that, that's super interesting. Mm -hmm. So, and in particular, the tools that you're working with, um, do, are they, it, it is possible to connect with these communication tools in order to provide, to gather insights also from what is going on online? Uh, it certainly is. And you have to remember that's, that communication channels is owned by the company. So that is com organizational owned data. So it's a data set, but it doesn't just have to be that data set. And because there's a lot of noise in that data set, it, it would it's somewhat challenging to 
to pick out the correct elements that you want to evaluate. Uh, but you know, with machine learning and so forth, that's becoming easier. But it also could be using old-fashioned assessments. Uh, you know, sending out links to to people and and having them answer questions about their their work environment and and the answers, including people they work with. So it's a there are different approaches to be able to to get to that data. Hmm. Uh, Keith, I, I'm going. You you made me think because I I, I really want to um, to help uh, the audience of the Growth Hacking Culture podcast to understand the value of technology. Is there like um, a, an example, a case of with one of your clients that you say, what the hell, because I implemented these type of solutions, the outcome or the impact in people has been that good. Do, is there any any <laughs> example that comes to, to, to mind of working with a client and say, oh, I'm proud of that because my technology is helping people or the company do that? Absolutely. And I, I think one of the largest um, that comes to mind is we, we do a lot of work with retail organizations uh, that have stores all over the Americas. Um, and we were collecting uh, the a typical HR information, learning data, uh, HRS data, uh, time and attendance data. But we are also collecting sales data from each store all the way down to the uh, SKU or product level. And we started building reporting on that that was for uh, district managers, regional managers, store managers, um, and then building out uh, metrics that evaluates people's uh, productivity because we have the sales data. <clears throat> and then district managers, store managers could use that data to say, okay, who's who are the people people that are consistently meeting their targeted goals. Um, and let's look at profiling those types of people in terms of their training history. Um, and that can help drive who in in, in um, retail, turnover is really high at the store level. So they could drive um, hiring habits. And, but more importantly, what we saw was it impacted how the uh, store managers were able to schedule their staff so that the people with uh, higher productivity got the preferred time hours um, and they found that the, the savings was in the millions. Wow, that's a that's a good story. Like data helping people targeting maybe not only their development, but also uh, like even the, the way the performance is recognized in the, in the, in the company, learning from the, the best path that's that's right. quite a, quite impressive. Yeah, um, absolutely. Keith, let me ask you the the uh, that, that question. So let's say that forget that you are into the technology, but you are suddenly you have a magic wand and you become the CEO of a Fortune five hundred company. So as a business person, what would be the people's insight that you would be looking at frequently? <laughs> Well, honestly, um, probably, you know, longer vacation times. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as a CEO, I think I, I'm a bit of a traditionalist and, and, and I, you know, I, I don't see this happening a lot, but I think executives and CEOs, 
need to turn to their HR organizations. And at the highest level, aggregation levels, um, looking at earnings over headcount, you know, things that are taking the financial aspects of an organization and blending it with the human aspects. So earnings over headcount and put that as moving average and predictive for future periods by business unit. Cost of, of headcount, again, correlating that people data with the financial data and, and predicting that out that moving forward, doing the same over turnover. So turnover, headcount, cost of headcount, you've heard those all the time, but now it's correlating with financial data and presenting it to the executives. So something old mixed with something new. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned my, my cosmopolitan, I think, as an executive, that's something, you know, that I should be aware of. Those, those people that, again, maybe I don't know about because they're not on that path moving up, but they have a tremendous amount of value to my organization. And then next, I'd want to do things like, how can I, as an organization, what are the measurements that I can do more with less? So I would challenge my HR organizations to show top five initiatives for each business unit. So again, correlating the business unit metrics with the HR metrics, to, and then showing how I can either save in, in cost savings or increase productivity. Um, and those is, that's what I would want to, to, to see. I want my, my HR organizations highly engaged in, in my business and, and see that blended approach. I like this approach of, of blending uh, different type of dimensions. Um, is there any, how interested are your customers to understand the well-being of their employees? Is it something that is growing, stagnating, or even decreasing this interest for understanding how people are feeling at work? Well, it's a great question, and, and it's definitely growing. Um, it, you hear that in the news all the time, um, and it's definitely growing. And, and HR is, is wonderfully adapted to, to focus on, on this topic. But I, I challenge them to take it to the, step, the next step further and start evaluating uh, people's engagement and, and, and health um, and and I, we've worked with organizations I've heard on recent podcasts that you've had around uh, agility um, and measuring those types of things, but then also correlating it back to, to business metrics, because again, it has to be able to impact the business. And I think that gives, once you're able to do that, it gives the HR people more power to take what they're passionate about, and that's the employees, and, and, and drive new um, initiatives and, and increase that. So um, I, it's not just one side of the house. And it, though very important, I think they can take it a step further and describe how engagement um, and how uh, employee uh, personal health is actually impacting the, the business. And we've done uh, AI uh, metrics on that, um, a lot of predictive metrics. And one of the things that I found quite interesting that our our HR counterparts were asking for is if we come up with a prediction, they often say, well, I, you know, AI again predicts, could create different predictions for, for different people. It learns from its uh, data to, to generate different predictors. So the, the HR people say, well, why did, you know, Keith's prediction turn out to be so much different than Ivan's prediction when there's a lot of similarities? Well, 
we've created what we call explainable AI. So after the model generates a prediction, we can take that prediction, generate it back through the model to say, well, what features were highly important in my prediction versus your prediction? And that's what AI gives us. Um, so I think those are, are, are two folds that, that I would focus on. Keith, what I, I, I really enjoy in this conversation is something that I wasn't expecting, in fact, like in in certain of the corporations is still either the, uh, the majority of the companies that I've been working with, it is uh, a good focus into the business um, uh, business dimensions or key performance indicators without this story of merging the human aspect and the business uh, side which give, give me a little bit of hope that finally we can have more balanced organizations. And today with the fact that there is systems that allow you to do this, both of the merging, and it's not like a invented like a, a, an Excel uh, model, uh, but a more sophisticated model of understanding the impact of how employees or the human side and the business side. I, I think that there is a little bit of progress and hope that it is uh, that is going to help organizations to 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 drive better performance and also why not happiness in the uh, in the uh, in their employees absolutely absolutely i have them both together you know that it it gives everybody that that more power to to move those things forward yes keith tell me so i'm pretty sure that a lot of the people who are listening to this uh, the, to this episode might have questions uh, about how to start the change, how to use really people's analytics in order to transform organization, make better organizations, and even understand what could be the next big thing in terms of uh, HR technology. How can they reach you out, Keith? It's a uh, great point. Um, I think there, there are three takeaways that, that I'd like to leave your audience with. Um, the first is there, there's no magic wand to get it done. The devil's in the, the detail and you have to get in there in order to aggregate the data and provide value. And this may include data cleaning. Um, and as we say in the industry, what gets measured gets funded. So having a measurement strategy and initiative um, with with help, it will generate its its funding. And lastly, remember, knowledge is power, but it's only when we apply it that we truly see the, the change and growth. And I, I hope your listeners found some, some of the uh, conversation valuable. Um, if they'd like to carry on the conversation, always open to, to carry and discuss this more. Um, I can be reached in through my LinkedIn account, which is Keith A. Good. And our company website is zeroedin.com. Um, always, always interested in continuing the conversation. Keith, I'm going to be writing down below this uh, this recording the the links that you have mentioned, your LinkedIn account, and your the website of your company. It was really nice to speak to you. Uh, very impressed by the uh, the wealth of knowledge uh, and experience that you have in the, uh, on the topic. Uh, really, uh, hopefully, this is something to be like. It's going to be like the spark that will make people decide to take the first step towards transforming. If you are too scared about data technology and it, and dealing with IT people, 
forget that. There is ways so that you can groom yourself and learn on your own how to move forward or otherwise just give a call to Keith or just send him a message. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Thank if I you, can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Have a lovely day. You too. Thank you.